the hell is going on? What's really going on? We said, what the hell happened? You don't have to know what the hell is on it. They, they see what's going on. I don't know what's going on. What is going on? We must find out what is going on. Hi, I'm Danielle Sedka. And I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast, What the Hell is Going On? Mark, what the hell today? Well, to our loyal listeners, everyone who's listened to this podcast for the past year, everyone begins with the President of the United States saying, what the hell is going on? Well, today we have the man himself uh, to tell us what the hell is going on, Danny. And boy, does he ever. (laughs) So uh, as many of you know, we often record this introduction after we've done the interview in order to to set it up properly. And so we've spent uh, almost an hour talking to the President of the United States and uh, and going over some of the questions that should be front and center on people's minds. The election, the Supreme Court, foreign policy, NATO. What did I miss, Mark? Uh, You didn't miss anything. And so I think we're going to do away with the uh, normal banter that Danny and I have at the start of the podcast, because I think people want to hear from the president. Uh, And just editorial note, we have offered equal time to Vice President Biden if he chooses to come on. Uh, We'd love to have him and give him the same chance to uh, present his views to you on a number of issues. So without further ado, the president of the United States. Mr. President, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Congratulations on your recovery from COVID. I saw you had a rally last night. You looked like you were never sick. <laughs> it yeah, was. I recovered rapidly, and uh, they say you have immunity, so uh, it's immune. So you're immune. That would be nice. I don't know. I've heard different numbers. I've heard for life, and I've heard for four months. <laughs> I like life better. I, I would, too. So you said the other day that the COVID diagnosis was a blessing in disguise. Tell us what you meant by that. And also, you know, you've now, having gone through this illness that hundreds of thousands, if not million, millions of Americans have fought it, what did you learn about their struggle and what it's like to go through this illness? Well, I don't think you could ever really understand it as well as if you, you know, go through it. And I did go through it. I felt weak. I had a temperature. And I felt, you know, like not exactly the best I've ever felt. The doctors at Walter Reed and Johns Hopkins and other, one thing good about being president, you get a lot of doctors coming at you. And we had great doctors. And uh, I think, frankly, therapeutically or cure-wise, we have great medicines, too, that we wouldn't have had six months ago. You know, I've lost five friends and uh, maybe even a little more but five friends some very close to me and they were gone very quickly and now uh when i think of what i went through i i think that we would have saved those people you know we've had a tremendous increase in really great drugs and uh, whether it's regeneron or the eli Lilly version of a similar drug the antibody drugs we've done a lot of great work in a short period of time and fda has been terrific and we had uh, Dr. Slowey, who is the head of Operation Warp Speed, on the podcast. And uh, that, that drug, Regeneron, that you had was produced under this, wasn't it? It was produced under us uh, six months ago or less. They never heard of it. And it, it's, uh, I mean, I can't tell you. Maybe I would have recovered anyway, and maybe it would have been fast. But I can tell you, I took it, and it was, uh, it was a fast recovery, a very fast. I could have gotten out of the hospital the next day. And I didn't feel like that the day before, I can tell you. So 
Pretty amazing. Well, we're glad you're better. So you've been oh, criti- you. you've been criticized for pushing too hard to end the lockdowns and reopen the economy. But the World Health Organization just came out the other day against lockdowns, and they pointed out to all the devastation the lockdowns are causing, especially to the poor. Right. They said it might even double world poverty. It's causing malnutrition right. around the world. Why do you think it took them so long to see what you and all of us saw from the beginning? Well, you were there early, too, because you and I had a conversation, and uh, I saw where you were coming from. But, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that a lot of people were with us, but a good chunk of people were, and I'm glad they did it, you know, because, frankly, it wasn't that easy for them to do it. That's a big uh, give back. But you look at depression, you look at drugs, you look at alcohol, alcoholism, and you look at all the horrible things that were taking place where these people are just locked in their homes, their apartments, they couldn't leave. And uh, it's a terrible thing. And, you know, I came up, I think it was me. The cure can't be worse than the problem itself. And I think you were seeing that. So uh, last night in Florida, I made a speech and I said, you know, we talked about it. I talked about it a little bit. But I also said that there are people that if you feel that you want to stay in a position, because there are some people that have a great fear. But if you want to stay in a position where you are now, stay, you know, in your house, in your apartment, do it because you can't force somebody out. But I felt as president, I had to be out. I can't be locked in a basement, as the expression goes. I can't be, you know, I'm president of the United States. I've got to meet people. I've got to see people. It makes a big difference in terms of dealings. And, you know, I knew it was taking a risk when you do that. You know, the more people you see, the more risky it is. But The good news, I recovered uh, well, and, uh, you know, I look forward to being out tonight in Pennsylvania. Mr. President, speaking about hiding in your basement, we are three weeks away from the presidential elections. And one thing that I know I would love to hear from you is, you know, for the American people, 30 seconds on your absolute best case. Why Donald Trump a, should be reelected, and why Joe Biden isn't right for the country now? Well, I don't know what's going on with Biden because nobody really understands it. Yesterday, he didn't know Mitt Romney's name. Yesterday, he uh, said he was running again for the U.S. Senate. That's happened two or three times already. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I really don't. You, you need very sharp people to be in this position. And I can tell you whether it's Putin or President Xi of China, or whether it's uh, Kim Jong-un, and, you know, that war never happened, and I don't think it will. Uh, You know, that was one that was going to happen. Everybody said President Obama thought it was going to happen. But you have to be 100% sharp. And when I look, I'm amazed that he's getting by. He's getting by because the press is not asking him. I watched his town hall the other night on NBC, and it was a disgraceful situation. It was a a joke. It It was a terrible situation to watch that. They were asking him the questions of a child that you'd ask a child. So, you know, with that being said, I guess the polls are close, but I don't believe the polls because I had the same thing four years ago. And Mark knows that better than almost anybody because he was there. And, uh, you know, when I have 30,000, 35,000 people show up at, at rallies like last night, it went as far as the eye can see people. And then he goes to a rally and he's got 32 people, 38 people, less than 100 people. I don't see it. And uh, they oversample Democrats, way oversample Democrats. And, you know, then they say you're losing by a little bit or you're losing by five. And but they've oversampled Democrats. I don't know why they do it. I don't know what the purpose is. And 
We have tremendous enthusiasm, much more so than we had four years ago in 2016. We have tremendous enthusiasm. Mark knows that. He sees it. Tonight, we're going to have a tremendous rally in Pennsylvania. I don't even have to ask, will it be full? They're all packed. They're packed with tens of thousands of people. And we'll go out like, you know, a day before, two days before. We didn't even know we were going to be doing this two or three days ago. And last night, you know, you saw the crowd there and and you saw the enthusiasm. We have a lot of Democrats that are coming over as Republicans. We have a lot of registration that people don't talk about in North Carolina, Pennsylvania. We have a lot of people registering as Republicans that never did before. So I think we're going to be in great shape. I mean, I just see it. I, I see the enthusiasm. It's incredible. Well, enthusiasm is a hugely important part of any election. And you, you do have a lot of enthusiastic supporters. You've told us what the problems are that you see with Joe Biden. Why is Donald Trump the right man to take us to 2024? What are you going to do? Very fair question. Look, I built the economy once and now I'm building it a second time. It's going to be even better than it was last year. We had the greatest economy in the history of the world. I was beating China. I was beating everybody. We were getting bigger and stronger. China wasn't nothing like us. If you go back and you look at predictions on China from 10 years ago, 2019, China was going to take over the world economy and they didn't even come close. And then I charged them, you know, tremendous tariffs for dumping steel illegally. Our steel was doing well. Everything was doing well. And it's doing well right now. Look, we're about ready to break the all time stock market record again. And that's, you know, I think we're rounding the turn on the pandemic. I can't tell you how important the drugs are. I just think they're very important. Actually, the vaccines are coming out, but I think these are actually more important, the therapeutics or the cures or whatever you want to call it. But we're going to set new records. We're setting new jobs records, 11.4 million in the last four and a half months. We're setting new uh, economic record, retail sales, housing. You take a look at what's going on. It's uh, It's amazing. And the good news, I guess, I hope, uh, is that your third quarter numbers are going to be re released about two or three days before the election. So they'll be released at the end of the month or, you know, maybe November 1st. And uh, that's right before the election. And I'll stand with them. I think you're going to have numbers that are going to be record setting numbers, like literally record setting numbers. We're coming back very, very strong. And he can't do that. He wants to raise everybody's taxes. And he lies. I mean, look, he goes around t saying there won't be fracking, won't be fracking, won't be fracking. Then he gets a nomination. He announces there'll be fracking and no reporter calls him on it. I don't want to make you two feel guilty, but I mean, think of it. No <laughs> reporter even asks him about it. He's strong, strongly against fracking, energy, petroleum products, all of that. And then he gets a nomination. He goes out and he says, no, no, well, you, you didn't. He doesn't even say you misunderstood me. No reporter asks him the question. No reporter asks him the question, why did he get three and a half million dollars from the mayor's wife of Moscow? And why did he promise a billion dollars? You talk about quid pro quo. That's really quid pro quo. Why did he promise a billion dollars if they drop, you know, they got to drop the prosecutor? These are things that are on tape. Nobody pursues it. It's I think journalism has gone so far down. I think it's a I think it's a disgrace. But, you know, I have a big platform and I'm able to talk about it and people get it. And that's why we're getting the kind of crowds. And that's why I think we're going to win. Most, if not all, of the states. We just got very good numbers out of Florida. We just got very good numbers out of Pennsylvania, out of North Carolina. I think we're going to have a big, a big day, week, whatever you want to call it. I think it's going to be very big. <laughs> Hopefully, and not months. People are voters. You know, the people that are voting for me generally, I hear like 85 percent they're voters, and the people that are putting in the ballots, they're all they're doing is substituting for the vote. So it's not like they have a lot of new people. We have a lot of new registers. If you look at Pennsylvania, I think North Carolina. 
we have a lot more people, new people registering for the Republican because we have tremendous enthusiasm. They only have negative enthusiasm. And those, in theory, you would know this better than me, but negative enthusiasm doesn't win races. Positive enthusiasm, meaning yeah. when they like somebody. That's why Mitt Romney's that president. A, a rally yesterday <laughs> in Ohio, and they had almost nobody showed up. Yeah. And I show up for one in Florida, and and we had, it uh, could have been 35, 40,000 people showed up. Nobody's ever seen anything like it, frankly. There's a new Gallup poll out that shows 56% of Americans say they're better off now than they were four years ago, which is yeah. an incredible number considering what we've been through in 2020. And a 49% plurality say they agree with you over Joe Biden on the issues. But the RCP average, and I know I'm sure you have other polls that say it slightly differently, but they're saying you're only about 42% of the country plans to vote for you right now. So there's a gap of there's people who are benefiting from your policies, who approve of your presidency, but still aren't committed yet to voting for you. What is your mess? How are you going to win those people, that 5, 10 percent of the electorate that yeah. approves of your presidency but doesn't necessarily approve of you? You had a line at the beginning before the pandemic hit that you may not like me, but you got to vote for me. Talk about how you're going to win those voters over and convince them in the next three weeks. Well, I don't think that line changes, but I'm actually I, I like to think of myself as a good person. I'm saving the suburbs uh, for law and order. He's not for law and order. He can't even say during the debate he can't even say it. He's not a nice person. I mean, I've known him. He's not a nice person, you know, but he comes across as nice because he's uh, he says things that nobody can even believe. But I think people are going to want law and order. I think they're going to want a great economy. Look at the economy. We're, I mean, literally, people with 401ks, if they didn't sell, and most of them had confidence not to, but if they didn't sell, they're richer now than they were uh, before the pandemic hit. Nobody ever thought that would be possible. And it's going up. It's only going in one direction. Well, the other thing I went on is the economy, Mark, by a lot, you know, by 10 points, 15 points. And the other interesting poll, I think maybe the most interesting poll, and I saw the 56 percent. And don't forget, that's in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. I say it's rounding the corner. But during a pandemic, 56 percent, you know, as opposed to the past administration. And it's also, I believe, the highest number ever recorded. And, you know, it's sort of incredible. But there was another, and I think it was also a Gallup poll that talked about your neighbors. Who is your neighbor going to vote for? These people know their neighbors. And, and I won by a lot. And the other one, uh, are people telling the truth? And they said, I think it was 62% or something like that said they're not telling the truth when they're polled. They're going to go in and they're going to vote. And, uh, you know, look, their 401ks will crash. They're going to pay. Why would somebody in Pennsylvania want to pay much more taxes? He said he's not going to cut taxes, except he's going to cut my tax break. And under my tax break, with child tax credits and everything, you're talking about four or $5,000 a family. If you add child tax credits, if you add energy, you're talking about much more than that, because we won't have any energy in this country. Right now, we're energy independent. So, I mean, there's some interesting polls. The one that was, to me, the most interesting, I thought the 56% was great, but when they asked people, are they going to vote? You know, they ask people, uh, what are you going to do? Are you lying? They're actually saying, are you telling the truth? And wasn't it 52 or 62 percent of the people said we're not telling the truth? <laughs> well, if that's the yeah. case, it's only one way. That would mean it's like a landslide. But look, all I can do is create the greatest economy ever. And we're doing that. We're doing it, Mark. We're doing it at a level that people are shocked because Again, I say we're rounding the turn. We're rounding that final turn. That's what's going to be. But still, we're rounding a turn and we have the best stock market. People's 401ks, if you tell them it's going to be cut in half if Biden gets in, 
Why would anybody want to vote? Why would anybody want to take a chance like that? And then you have law and order. I mean, he's, there's no law and order. This is the radical left. They've gone crazy. So, But with us, there's law and order. The Republican cities, you look, all of them, they're doing great. There's no crime. There's no, I mean, we have very little crime, very little. All of the hotspots, all of the problems are these uh, Democrat-run cities. The so-called blue cities, You Portland, and you look at New York, what's happened there in a short period of time. We have to take Rudy we want to get a young version of Rudy, you know, <laughs> but uh, we need something. And Chicago, you look at what's going on in Chicago. It's a very sad thing, but they're all Democrat-run cities. Republicans are doing phenomenally well, and there's law and order. So, Mr. President, Mark and I started this podcast, and we were really focused on foreign policy. You know, you succeeded where other presidents have not in getting our NATO allies to contribute more of their national budgets to defense, which is something that supports NATO. But a lot of people are worried that if you're reelected, you won't keep your commitment to NATO. You'll want to pull the United States out. Is that right? Well, look, I can only tell you that it's such a great question. Long answer, unfortunately, but it's a great question. So when I first got involved, one of the first things I saw, how we were being ripped off by our allies in NATO. I mean, just terribly ripped off. They weren't paying. We were paying probably 80%, could even be 100%, depending on the way you calculate it. Mark, you and I have talked about it. Mm -hmm. And President Obama, President Bush, they never did anything about it. They kept going, we'd pay. So we got ripped off on trade in Europe by Germany, France, all of them, every one of them. We got ripped off on trade, and then we protected them from Russia. And I'm the one that was the toughest on Russia. And Putin knows that better than anybody. I'm the one that brought up the pipeline, you know, Nord Stream 2, where Germany pays billions of dollars to Russia and we protect Germany and the others from Russia. I said, what's this all about? I brought that up. I'm the one that gives tank busters. He gave pillows. You know, the whole thing is like nobody's I, I have tremendous sanctions on Russia. He didn't have big sanctions on Russia. Look at what we've done. Uh, nobody's been tougher on Russia. Now, at the same time, I think I get along with Putin very well. I think that's good. We're working on a nuclear arms treaty. You know, uh, we want it's to me, it's the single biggest risk in the world today. It's not uh, other things that you hear about. It's uh, nuclear weapons. You know, I've totally rebuilt our military, but I see the kind of power that we're talking about. And you just hope to God it never has to be used. So, you know, getting along is a good thing, not a bad thing. But if you look at what I've done, I got NATO to pay $130 billion a year more, going up to $410 billion. And maybe my biggest fan in the whole world is Secretary General Stoltenberg. Because for 15 years, if you look at NATO payments, they went down, down, down. And Obama would go and make a little speech, and he wouldn't even talk about the fact that it's unfair that we're paying for your protection. And I went and I said, listen... These payments, this is no good. We're paying for you, and you're ripping us off on trade. You know, the trade is with the European Union is terrible. I mean, it's a terrible thing what they've done. They're almost as bad as China. You want to know the truth. And that was another thing we've done a great job with. But I was ready to do a really good job, and then we had the pandemic come in, and so I held back. But what we've done is gotten $130 billion. You've seen that, Mark, right? $130 yeah, billion dollars more. Per country. And they asked me a very tough question. Now I can reveal it. We had a meeting, 28 countries. We had a meeting in one of the countries, important countries, said, well, are you saying that if we don't pay, you're not going to defend us? Now, I had to say the answer to that is yes, because I said, why should we be doing this? You're killing us on trade. You're ripping us off with your tariffs. You're ripping us off with all sorts of protection. 
you know, non-monetary tariffs, which were, are terrible. And then on top of it, we're protecting you with our military. and We're paying for most of the cost. It's not fair. So the answer is yes, you're right. That's right. And as soon as I said that, everybody said, let's pay. We got $130 billion a year. And that number goes up to $410 billion. And you may want for whatever you're doing, you may want to ask Secretary Stoltenberg because he cannot believe it. And by the way, when you talk about being tough on Russia, that's probably the toughest thing of all, because, you know, they weren't paying their bills because they figured the United States is stupid. They had people that for years didn't ask for any money. I don't blame them. But I said, no, if you don't do it, that means you don't get protection. And as soon as I said that, everybody divvied up. And so we got $130 billion a year. That's a lot. And then we got it goes up to $410 billion a year. Now, I would say that's one of the worst things that's ever happened to Russia. But nobody ever wants to talk about that stuff, you understand. But, no, we have a, a lot of great things going right now. When it comes to the other part of your question, look at the Middle East. With no blood, we've got Bahrain. We've got others lined up. We've got UAE. Mohammed's a great warrior, you know, highly respected. We have many others wanting to come in. No blood. But I did it totally different than done. Everyone went to the Palestinians first. I said to the Palestinians, let's go. And they said, no, no, no. I said, well, why are we paying you $750 million a year? They said, well, you know, death to America. I said, oh, that's okay. Death to America. Guess what? And two years ago, I cut off all payments to the Palestinians. And they want to make a deal, I'll tell you right now. And I asked the people that came before me. I had a meeting with three people that negotiated the Middle East. I said, did anyone ever use the fact that $750 million is given to the Palestinians and all they do is scream death to America. And they said, no, we didn't think that was right. I said, well, I think it's right. And uh, we have countries lined up right now. And I'll tell you, if I win the election, the first country that's going to call me is Iran. They went down 27% GDP. Hamas, all these uh, terrorist states are not getting money because Iran is getting a disaster. They're an economic disaster because of my sanctions and because I got other countries, you can't do business with them. You know, they just want to see if sleepy Joe Biden gets in. Now, if Biden got in, they'll rip us to pieces. If Biden got in, China will own this country. And what I did with China is incredible. I took in tens of billions of dollars. I gave $28 billion to the farmers because they were targeted. I said, thank you very much, President Xi. And the farmers love Trump, you know, because I did something that nobody would have been able to even think of. They never even thought about it. So we have a lot of things happening. And, you know, I've done a good job. What can I tell you? So second term Donald Trump, people who say you're pulling out of NATO, what you're saying is more peace in the Middle East, standing up to Russia, standing up to China and staying in NATO as long as budgets are continuing to go up. Is that a fair yeah. assessment? Well, peace through strength, and I like the term. We have now, I've rebuilt the military. When I came in, it's a true story. I think I told it to Mark, because we were looking at North Korea very seriously, right? I said, how we set up? He said, sir, we have no ammunition. Should ever have to go through that. I told you that, Mark, I think, didn't I? Yes, you did. Nor should any president have to go through what we went through with the Russian witch hunt and all the other stuff. So I've done more than any other president in the first three and a half years and I did it with this horrible, disgusting cloud that now we've caught them. And we know it was a total hoax. And let's see what happens after the election. You mentioned uh, how tough you've been with China. How are the reason you got COVID is because China lied to the world right. about its virus. How are you going to hold yeah. them accountable in a second term? 
Well, you're going to see. I can't, you know, sometimes if you're playing a chess game with very smart people, you can't say, gee, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but but uh, they'll be held responsible. They'll be held responsible. They could have stopped it. They stopped it from going in, largely stopped it from going into China. Now, with that being said, they suffered much more than people understand. They lost far more people than we lost, far more people. But, you know, they don't report things. They don't put it down and report it and X number of people a day. And, you know, you don't you don't hear that. But they lost far more than uh, probably anybody else. Other countries lost a lot, whether it's India or Iran got hit very hard. A lot of countries got but they don't report their numbers. Mr. President, you've been so generous with your time. Let me ask you quickly about the Supreme Court. We've got Amy Coney Barrett in the middle of testifying a really, really tough hearing. No president since Richard Nixon has been able to appoint three justices. The Democrats say that they're thinking in response about packing the court, something Joe Biden says the American people don't deserve to know whether he supports or not. What do you think? I think packing the court's a horrible thing. And all you have to do is go back to Justice Ginsburg. She said this is a collegial group of people. And we sit and we talk and you can't do that with large numbers. And when you get large numbers, you know, you already have the Senate, you already have the House. I mean, you know, where does it stop? No, I think it's a horrible thing. I think it's a very unpopular thing. The Supreme Court is a very sacred institution as far as I'm concerned. And I think packing it, you know, you got to win elections and, and elections have consequences. If you lose an election, it has consequences. Justice Ginsburg also said no, no. When you're elected, you're elected for four years, not three years. He, she was referring to a Democrat president, of course, but it, it's the same thing, you know. And uh, we have plenty of time, you know. We really have plenty of time. I think it's going to be done very quickly and before the, you know, before the election. But I, I mean, because you have months after that. So it's not even fast. If you really think about it, hey, Mark, if you yep. think about it, there's a lot of time. Because, you know, <laughs> they keep saying, oh, you're rushing it before the election. Well, we have other things we want to do. I'd like to see stimulus because it wasn't their fault. I would like to see it. Nancy Pelosi doesn't like to see it, but I would love to see people take, get taken care of because it wasn't their fault. It was China's fault. But no, I, uh, I think that packing the Supreme Court, you know, there are those that say, including your partner, Mark, because you had once mentioned it lightly to me at, uh, when you were at the Oval Office, Mark, that a lot of my success in terms of getting elected was when I created the idea of 25 judges, you know, very highly respected conservative judges or justices, mm -hmm. uh, potential justices. And a couple of people have said that to me, and I never really agreed with it, but I, I think probably more and more. A big percentage of people voted for me because they love the 25 people that I had on that list. I think the numbers are that 26% of your voters in 2016 said that was the most important issue for them. It was kind of not on, on the front burner for a while because you'd no. been so successful because you'd put two Supreme Court, you'd secure the conservative majority, you put all these great judges on the right. course. Do you think this is now going to energize those voters going into the 2020 election? I think so. I never believed it was that high. I've seen 26%. I guess that's done by a poll or something. I never believed it was that high. But whatever it was, it was significant. And you know, again, they didn't know me. They knew me as a business person that had done well and all, but they didn't know where am I conservative, am I liberal, you know, where am I coming from? And I don't know if you know the history. It was interesting because I picked 20 and then ultimately 25. You know, I increased it by five, but I picked 20, 25. I put them in. And I said, I will pick people like this. And they said, no way. Nope. Got to be the. And then I said, all right, good. I'll pick people. I will pick from this list. 
And now it's actually up to 45 people. You know, we added some names that are really great, you know, great names, uh, mm-hmm. people that that have been incredible and all, all highly respected, really highly respected. No, I think that was a big thing. I don't know that it was as big as some people say, but and it was my idea. It was an original idea. I said, well, what? because people are coming to me and saying, you know, they don't know. Are you going to appoint uh, liberal judges, conservatives? They just didn't know enough about me politically. They know about business, but they didn't know enough about me politically. And I said, you know, I'll tell you what I'll do. If that's really a problem. And it was a problem for political people. They said, uh, it, they just don't know. I said, if that's really a problem, then let me do the following. I will create a list of 25 people. They will be top of the line. I think you both agree that those names are pretty amazing. Right? Yes. You know, they're the top. And I will only choose from that list. And I'll tell you what, I never heard about the problem again. Then when I got elected, a lot of people said that was the reason. I just don't know if it was 26% because that's a high number. But certainly it had an impact. And I think he has to do that too. Yeah. I think that uh, Joe Biden has to pick justices, potential justices. And you got to know who's going on the court about I'm not going to tell you before the election yeah is very foolish and I don't think it's going to be acceptable to people I've never heard of a thing let's we're not going to talk about it now we'll talk about it after the election what kind of a thing is that I'm actually even seeing people that are on your opposite side I will say Mark that are mm-hmm. not happy with that answer that's not yeah. a good answer yeah I don't think you can get away with that answer right Kavanaugh wasn't on your original list was it Justice Kennedy who suggested him to you uh, he did and other people too and uh uh, one of the reasons I created additional because I, I did like him a lot. I liked him for a lot of reasons, and uh, little did I realize that a man would have to go through so much. That was a terrible thing. I thought that happened to him. I thought it was a terrible thing, but he's a good man. No, I, I did. He was in the uh, the additional five that I put up. Yeah. Do you think that's why they're not going after Amy Comey Barrett on her faith right now? That they're they learned their lesson from how going after Kavanaugh backfired on them. They lost their chance to take back the Senate. Well, I think she's doing, and again, I, I watched for a little while this morning before you called. That's why I was shocked knowing you that you, you did this. I thought you'd say, no, this is just too much. Because it is really, you got to say it's interesting. And I think she's doing well. Of course, I haven't been watching for the last half hour. But I think it would be very hard for them to pull off another Kavanaugh, rude, horrible situation. There's never been anybody treated as badly as Justice Kavanaugh. Never. I've never Great. seen anything like it in my life. I think it's a disgrace. And no, I don't think you could get away with that here. They're doing other things, you know, they're going after other things, but basically it's not in the same league. Yeah, no, you're completely right. It was a disgrace. I want to ask you something else. You know, the, this has been a difficult year, not just because of COVID, not just because of all of the implications of that, but also because, you know, for African-Americans, for Black Americans, this has been, you know, a very dramatic year with the death of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and uh, and a lot of unhappiness in the Black American community. But you have a pitch to that community to reelect you because you say that that's going to be better for black Americans than a Democrat right. in the White House. Why? Well, I think that uh, had COVID not come along, and I, I told this to Mark, I think that, you know, somebody said, how do you bring the country together? I said, success. And had COVID not come along, I was getting calls from Democrats and people that normally I wouldn't be talking to too much. They wanted to get together. They wanted to work things out. There were tremendous discussions going. And then we got hit with COVID, and that superseded everything. And 
And I think we've done a great job. If you, you know, if you look not only with the vaccines and stuff that are ready to come, but also with the medicines and the ventilators and all. And I took care of a lot of governors. We made a lot of governors look good that shouldn't look good because their cupboards were bare, but our cupboards were bare. But I, I will say this. If we didn't have COVID come along, we would have a unified country right now because success was bringing it together. I mean, when you talk African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, every category, women, every category was the best unemployment numbers, best employment numbers. We're up to 160 million people employed. Our country was never close. A lot of great things were happening. And I was starting to get calls from people. And then we got hit. And that was, you know, like a new ball game. But success will bring our country together. And I saw that. I really, I, I got a, about a one-month, two-month glimpse of it. It was all happening. It was going to be a beautiful picture. And then we got hit with this uh, invisible enemy. And, you know, obviously then it was, it was back to the fort. But no, it, it was all happening. People that you wouldn't think, Mark, people that you know, that you would never say called. Yeah. We, a lot of good things were starting to happen. You know, I ended up winning on the wall. That was good. You know, you got you to gotta win. And they, they did everything they could to block the wall. And I ended up winning the court cases and got the wall. The wall is almost complete now. You know, it's going to be complete very soon. And we're doing 10 miles a week. And it's, uh, it's had a huge impact on the southern border. The, the numbers are phenomenal. And especially in a COVID period, you know, because Mexico is very, very severely ill. They have a tremendous COVID problem. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Success was really bringing it together. And it would have been a beautiful thing. But I think we can do that again. I, I think next year is going to be a great year. And I, I really watch this quarter. I, I better be careful with Mark. I read him too closely because if it's a little bit off, he'll say he was wrong. But Watch the third quarter. I think you're going to yeah. see numbers that are going to be uh, really high, you, GDP numbers. You, you, know, said, really you said that all these people bit. before COVID were coming to you and out of the woodwork and saying, let's work together, let's yeah. get something, right? That I mean, this is such a toxic environment now with an election going on, and it's so heated. Do you think if you win re-election and Democrats finally have to accept your presidency and that you're going to be there for four more years, do you think that we're going to have more acrimony or do you think they're going to finally have to come around and work with you and that we could have the kind of cooperation that eluded us in the first term? I think they're going to say, coupled with success, I think they're going to say, okay, look, it's, it's enough. They've tried for four years. They tried before I got elected. You know that. I mean, everything's there for you to read. We have, we have everything. Terrible. Frankly, if it were them, they'd bring charges. Our people are very nice. But uh, after the election, we'll see. But I really believe that uh, they will say, it's time. It's time. I hope you're right. You know, time does that. Time and success. But it was happening. I, I don't know if, if I can say it even strongly enough. It was happening so strongly before COVID, a month and a half, two months before COVID. Because, look, every single index was at its all-time high. We had the best market. We had the best 401ks ever. Now, the, the amazing thing is we're we're just about there, we're, you know, in terms of the 401ks. That's a big deal. 401k is a big deal. Uh, meaning stocks. Sure, yeah. Because people don't realize, you know, they think rich people have stocks, poor people have stocks, middle-income people have stocks. And uh, what Pension I've done funds. is I've, I've really got the economy going again. And But success and time will bring, yeah. So I think there will be, uh, it'll be a very interesting election, but I think, uh, I think people eventually are going to come together. So exit question for me, Mr. President. So Joe Biden, you mentioned this earlier, did that town hall where, you know, he had the fake undecided voters, right? So 
You've got a real undecided voter here in Danny. Danny didn't vote for you in 2016, but she has publicly said that she is re- very seriously considering it now. So right. what is your pitch right. to Danny and to voters like her who didn't support you last time but are thinking about it in this election? Well, first of all, I'm honored by your statement. And my pitch is very simple. We're bringing our country back. We got hit very unfairly by a disease that should have been kept inside the confines of China because they did it. You know, they did it for themselves, but they didn't do it for us, Europe and the rest of the world, 188 countries. Uh, But we've made tremendous strides. You look at the mortality rate at almost 90 percent, you know, 90 percent. Think of it. People that would die are now living. And that's because of the uh, therapeutics and all of the things that we've done. You know, what I've done with the FDA has been amazing. Uh, These things in the FDA would have taken two, three years to get approved. I I got them done in weeks. That's the personality, I guess. But, you know, nevertheless, I'm very proud of it. And, you know, Dr. Hahn is top guy from a great, you know, great hospital in Houston, the cancer hospital. And I said, look, we can't take three years to get this stuff approved. And we got things done. But think, look at the mortality rate where it's 85 to 90 percent now. It's incredible. It's a whole different it's a whole different thing. We're going to make the economy stronger than ever before. The best year we've ever had was last year. The best year we will ever have is going to be next year. And that's going to bring people together. At the same time, we're redoing trade deals. I've been doing them at, at a level that nobody's seen before. We, we have been ripped off in every aspect of life, you know, because I believe in America first. And I tell countries, you should believe in your country first, too. I don't, I'm not saying America first and you have to come second. You know, I deal with many countries. And I said, you know, whether it's Peru or whether it's any country, I said, think of your country first, but we have to put America first. You know, a lot of people get insulted when I say America first, and then we go into a negotiation. I said, no, I'm sorry. It's like Canada. We have Mike Pence, good guy. He's up in Canada. He's up in uh, Wisconsin today. Uh, They were charging us $287 percent tariffs. I found out about it. I said, that's not going to happen. And I renegotiated the whole thing. The farmers were getting killed. Our farmers were getting absolutely decimated. Now, sometimes I have to get that word out, and it's always hard. But think about this administration if they didn't create a fake Russia hunt, uh, you know, a hoax. If they didn't create a fake uh, phone call where Adam Schiff read a phone call, but that was not the call that I had. And thank goodness we discussed this, Mark. Thank goodness I had transcribers, very good military transcribers, by the way, which was totally verified. But, you know, think of how vicious it was. And over, I got impeached over a perfect phone call. And it was a perfect. I told Mark last time, I said, you know, we sent, when I heard there was a problem, I said, how could there be a problem? I just called the guy to congratulate him. We sent it to the Justice Department, Department of Justice, the uh, transcript of my call with the Ukrainian president. And they called back and they said, you know, day later, they said, okay, so what are you looking for here? You know, they used to seeing killings and drug deals. And they say, uh, what do you want us to find here? What's wrong? They found absolutely nothing wrong. It was a hoax. And then they couldn't turn back because, see, they thought it was the shift statement that he made in Congress, you know, about eight times quid pro quo. There were no quid pro quos. There was for Biden. So if I didn't have that, it would be probably, even with the pandemic, it would be uh, a much easier. You know, I went through four years of Russia, Russia, Russia. And the only thing I have with Russia is that I've been much tougher than anybody else has ever been. You know, when you look at the way they handled it, Hillary with her button that she gave with the wrong 
language with the wrong <laughs> words, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. But look, it's an honor talking to both of you, and I'm glad you have it recorded. Let somebody know it. Well, Mr. President, we're very glad that you've recovered, and we thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time. Well, it's an honor, and you've been fantastic. And I hope I get that positive vote on the other side. That'll be a big deal. I'll celebrate, okay? <laughs> Go, it's up to you, Danny. And we're doing a good job. It's up to you, Danny. And I appreciate both. And call when you want. Call. You want to do this every once in a while. It's an honor to do it. You've been we'd, so fair. We'd, okay? love, we'd love to have you back on. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you both. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. All right, Danny, so you just got a personal pitch from the president of the United States as an undecided voter asking for your vote. What did you think of the interview and, and what he had to say? Well, I don't think there's any American who would not feel honored by a personal <laughs> pitch. So, so I was really honored by that. And I think it's important also to hear that the president had a lot of charm in laying that out. You know, that charm that he brought to that question that you asked, Mark, is something that would serve him really, really well on the campaign stage. This is a hard vote for a lot of people. This is a vote where people feel conflicted because, as you said, they like the policies, but they're not comfortable with the man. And he can do something to make people more comfortable. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear him in that sort of one-on-one, or in this case, two-on-one conversation, as opposed to uh, what you see on television and other places. it's a, It was a very different Donald Trump that we just heard in this conversation from the Donald Trump we saw on the debate stage, for example, with, with Joe Biden. And I think that if he, it would benefit him to show the Donald Trump we just saw a lot in the next three weeks. Would you agree? Oh, my God. If you know, if, if the Donald Trump, notwithstanding the oft-heard complaints about the Russia hoax and the oft-heard complaints about, you know, about, about Biden himself. Notwithstanding that, if that man that you and I just talked to had been on the stage with Joe Biden in the first debate, I think people's impressions would have been very, very different. And, uh, and it, it was a, a shame, actually, because, you know, what people saw and what people heard is, is not what people wanted to hear. No, I agree with that. I think a lot of people will be who listen to this will be frustrated by you know the usual tropes that they hear from Donald Trump and they don't like but there's something that I heard here that I that I do like when I asked him about African American voters black voters when I asked him uh, about you know what he was going to say he talked about how success is unifying and I, I do think that that's true people want to hear I want to deliver a better economy. I want to deliver better security because that makes your life better and that brings us together. That's a great message. It's one he should stick with. I agree. And, you know, the other thing that he said, which I think is interesting, is after the impeachment, when the impeachment failed, it was sort of the whole effort to bring down his presidency was exhausted and and defeated, right? And the economy was booming. The people were starting to reach out to him and try and find ways of cooperation because everyone thought he was going to get reelected. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it breathed the second life into the effort to end the Trump presidency. Right. And I thought what was hopeful is that he thinks that if he's reelected, 
that that will resume finally, that if he can one more time stop the effort to end his presidency and win four more years, that it's not going to be another four more years of acrimony, that he thinks that people will, that the other side will come and decide, okay, it's time to start working together. Because I think that's the biggest fear that a lot of people have. You know, 56% say they're better off than they were four years ago. Under who? Under Biden and and Obama, right? They would love to continue the good things about the Trump presidency, but they're worried that they just don't want to go through four more years of what they just went through with all the fighting and all the political on both sides, because I think the Democrats have become, you know, everything they criticize about him, they've become themselves in many ways. And we all just want that to end. So I think that's an actual a very strong message for him to take into the last three weeks is that if he wins, it's not going to be four more years of what we experience It's going to be four years where we can get a lot, a lot done for the country. Well, I mean, from from his mouth to God's ears, I'm 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 skeptical. That that will, <laughs> uh, well, uh, there were a lot of people who had derangement syndrome under Obama. And there are even more people who have derangement syndrome under Trump, and it just seems like people have crawled into these separate camps, and that they feel comfortable there, hating each other. It's not a, a, a good thing for our country. Something else for our listeners as well. You know, I think some people are going to be irritated, as always, with Mark, but even with me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, about about not arguing uh, with the president. Look, you know, this is an opportunity to hear him. It's not an opportunity for us to school him. And I want people to understand that. One of the things I dislike about our press is that they've become adversarial. You know, if people are going to indict themselves, let them indict themselves. It's not our job to sit there and fight with the president about what the NATO numbers are or how, you know, China actually brought us the virus or not. So, Please understand that. It's important. Well, I think we also asked tough questions. We asked him why there are so many people who think they're better off but are still not voting for him. I mean, you know, he, and I thought he ha- he answered that uh, in a very interesting way. And look, we have reached out to the Biden campaign to offer equal time. So we'll give Joe Biden the same chance if he's willing to take it. Well, I would absolutely be delighted to hear from Vice President Biden. He's um If the pollsters are right, he's got a very, very good shot of celebrating on the night of November 3rd or maybe December 3rd. (laughs) (laughs) Or January 3rd. (laughs) Or whenever it is that we know what the results are uh, of this election. And uh, and I should say a thank you to you, Mark, as well, because you're the one with the relationship with Donald Trump. Needless to say, we do not have that relationship. And it was his confidence in you that got him to say yes to us. So I think it was a great opportunity to hear what the president of the United States thinks. And I have respect for whoever sits in the Oval Office, no matter who they are. Well, that's a great note to end on. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care, everyone. Any expression of political views by AEI scholars is in their personal capacity and not on behalf of AEI. AEI scholars have academic freedom and their intellectual product is not driven by management. And our team here at AEI is Alexa Santry, Matt Weinset, Jen Moretta, and Macy Heath. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, share it, comment on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.